business of drag and me with your host, the wonderful Brayden. We'll talk about taxes. We'll talk about business. We'll talk about life. Spill the tea. See you there. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I am joined by a very special guest, Fina. How are you doing? Hello, I'm wonderful, incredible, breathing. Yes. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing all of those things as well. I just had like an early lunch. That was great. Um, probably need to get a coffee refill soon, but. Um, I know lunch at like 10.30 a.m., but, That's you know. very, very gay Hollywood. Yeah, first, that was first lunch, and then second lunch will be after, after we record. Um, first question for you as we get started, can you share with us what your preferred name and pronouns are in and out of drag? And when I say out of drag, I mean, like, if someone were to watch the show and see you in the airport, like, how you would want them to greet you. Oh, I mean... Everybody calls me Fina. Uh-huh. Um, I understand it's like a weird name, but uh, it's my drag name. So Fina or Ryan, he or she, or they, or any of that are acceptable to me. Okay, cool, cool. I always like to ask because I also I also know that some drag talent they don't even really like to share share their like out of drag name with the public. So always good to ask. But Ryan oh, or Fina. Oh. I'm very familiar with that. I know queens from way, 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 way back in the day that had their name changed in the phone book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. a real life alias. Oh, back back in like the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to do a, like a lightning round of questions. How do you feel about that? Great. Let's go. Okay, cool. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Okay. Coffee. Are you a fan of Tia Coffee? Do you know her? Oh, Yes. Love her. Okay, great. Uh, beer, wine, cocktails, or mocktails? Uh, at the moment, mocktails. I'm not like in AA or anything. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But like alcohol, just I don't know. It's it's messing with me lately. Sure. We we do brunch a lot, and I'm like always the one person at brunch drinking coffee because I say it ma- medicates my ADHD. So that's like what I'm doing on a daily basis. At a girl. Okay, you have the night off of work. Are you staying in or going out? If I'm alone, I'm staying in. Uh If there are people visiting, I will go out uh, to the movies. To the movies. Okay. I like that. And I was like, now that you're in LA, you probably have people visiting all the time. I would imagine. How long have you been in Los Angeles? uh, So I moved here December, 2016. Oh, okay. So a while. Yeah. Okay, great. Do you ever, do you miss Boston at all? Uh, I miss some of the people, but not the actual city. And I go back, I go back to this. Yeah. Okay. On my to-do list. All right. So continuing the lightning round, um, do you have a favorite season of drag race? Oh God. I mean, (laughs) well, currently no, because I haven't been on it yet. Okay. So that will be your favorite season. Although when I ask a few of the other Queens, I asked them what their favorite season was other than the season they were on. So I don't know if you okay. off the hook that easy. Other than the season that I will be on. Uh-huh. My, I think my favorite season is probably six and seven, like the end of six and the beginning of seven. Got it. Okay. Who have you rooted for hardest on the show? Who was not a close personal friend of yours before they got on the show? So someone who you like, didn't really know who they were, but you're like, oh, I love this bitch. 
I mean, oh, I mean, season three, it was Raja, like yeah. a thousand percent. I thought she was so cool. Yeah, and iconic. So sleek. Love watching her move. Love her. Yes. Okay. What's your favorite uh, go-to lip sync song? Well, I famously, I do a lot of live recordings and mm-hmm. I think my all-time favorite, it teeters between uh, Pink's version of Bohemian Rhapsody and from the Funhouse tour and Madonna's Like a Prayer from MDMA. So by live recordings, you mean you're lip syncing to their live performances or you're singing? I'm not singing. I'm lip syncing <laughs> to their live performances with a microphone the whole nine yards. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Where is your favorite place to perform? My favorite place to perform currently is Precinct. Okay, beautiful. Favorite month of the year for drag? Like your favorite work month, basically. I mean, I, I'm so picky in particular, but I I love like a cooler month because yeah. it's cool outside. So any, anytime in like December, January. Okay, I like that. All right, final lightning round question. If you had to put me in drag and choose something for me to perform, like coach me through the process, what would it be? Oh, uh, it would have <laughs> it would have to be money. That's what I want. Okay, why that? Because you're a you know tax guy. That's okay, got it, got it, got it. I see green. I see nothing but green. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like that. I'll, we'll have to workshop or performance or something. Absolutely. All right, crush the lightning round. Absolutely crushed it. Let's get into some more fun questions, shall we? First of all, I to prep for this interview, I just listened to your episode on Sloppy Sequence, which was fabulous. When did you record that? Um, a few weeks ago. Okay, cool, cool. With um. Meatball and Big Dipper, yeah. Yes, love that. So it was fabulous. And what I've been doing is on these episodes, I kind of start with asking you like how you got started in drag, all that kind of stuff. But you talked about that on that other podcast. So I thought we'd get into some different questions. And I'm going to tell people to go listen to that one if they want to hear more about the Fina Barbatel origin story. How does that sound? Great. Okay, cool. So people should go listen. And instead, I want to kick this off with a broad but specific question, a little bit of a contradiction. But I want to ask if you can share all of the ways that you make money and get paid as a full-time drag professional. Sure. So as well as like performing and getting tips, I also style wigs and I work behind the scenes for Trixie and Katya on shows like We Like to Watch and and, uh, a couple other here and there things. Um, with them working behind the scenes. I guess that's not really my personal drag related, but Mm -hmm. it's it's in the world of drag. Uh, I've been known to make a costume here and there. I'm not like a great seamstress, but I can get by. So I I mainly just kind of like help. Um, Your your YouTube channel, you're going to be monetizing that soon, right? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. I no idea. Okay. But yeah, I, I just, I literally just started doing things. This is, this is my thing. I didn't get into drag to become rich and famous. I started drag way before Drag Race. So at the time, my achievable goal was to be like a Lady Bunny or a Jackie B or Coco Peru or someone that like, you know, worked all the time. We got to travel places, but the goal was never like to be like this rich and famous. So now that I'm like, in a group where I'm seeing my very close friends go on to achieve not 
extreme wealth, but extreme success. Yeah. That has become like the next, the upper like stepping stone. So I never set out to, to try and, and be rich. Yeah. But, but you know, it's not a, are you saying, are you saying lady bunny is not rich or famous? No, I'm, I'm saying I never set out to be like rich, like, you know, I don't, it's different now. Wouldn't you say? Would you say drag drag rich is yeah. different now than it was like 15, 20 years oh, ago? Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course, you have the perspective of actually doing this as a profession, right? I don't have that perspective, but definitely oh. like the fandom is huge. And when the fandom has gotten so much bigger, it means there's obviously more money involved all the way around. So yeah, it's turned into like an entire industry, definitely. Yeah. So the reason why I really like to get into... Um, these questions is because it's not about becoming extraordinarily wealthy, right? But it's about, you know, this is your art and your passion. And at the end of the day, whenever someone has an art and a passion, if they want to do it full time, they just, you got to be able to pay the bills in order not to not have another job, right? In so, Hollywood, yeah. yeah, you talked about on Sloppy Seconds, how you worked for Mac for a long time. Eventually, you um, were able to step away from that job, or maybe you had to step away from that job. Once you went full time in your drag, was that a scary move for you, or was it already fi- financially sustainable enough to do that? Um, so it was around 2008 in that financial crash when they were laying a lot of people off from uh-huh. that, and I had to like really look at it, like, okay, drag is starting to pick up for me at that point, and the Mac thing is like, okay, I don't want to make this same paycheck every week for the rest of my life. Yeah, I want to go do this thing where there's risks and ups and downs, rather more interesting, I'd say. So it was, it wasn't scary because I was at a an age where you know things just aren't scary when you're in your mid twenties. Like mm-hmm. that. you know, you can take more risks. But I will say, at thirty, what was I, thirty one, thirty two, when I moved cross country yeah. from Boston to Los Angeles to literally start at the bottom, that was probably the biggest riskiest move I've ever made. Yeah, because I imagine when you were in Boston, I mean, you were like, you were fully booked at that point, right? Like doing multiple gigs a week and everything. So yeah. when you're moving is is like, you have to kind of get known in the clubs all over again. Yeah, you're literally starting from the bottom yeah. all over again. So let's talk about some of these different, uh, I'll call them categories that you mentioned. So what I always tell people to think about, like when we're talking about taxes, very sexy, very exciting. I tell people to think about all of their revenue as a pie, right? So each of those is a piece of your pie, the different revenue streams. Do you mind sharing? I'm not going to ask you for dollar figures unless you like really want to share them, but would you mind sharing what percentage of the pie each of these different categories make up? So like performing, wig styling, uh, doing work with Trixie and Katya, and then costumes. Uh, costumes is is uh, nearly... Like 1%? <laughs> like less less than 1%. Okay. Wig styling and working for Trixie and Katya are the biggest money makers currently with doing shows creeping up. So I'd say it's like a, it's almost like an even sense of the pie. Gotcha. Okay. So the shows are creeping up. Is that because you're still, I guess you've been out in LA for a while now. Is it because you're doing like, you're getting more and more gigs in LA? Or are you just focusing on that more? Or how's that taking up more of the pie share, so to speak? I've been focusing more on, on doing more drag performances again. Because like back in Boston, I was in drag so many nights a week. And yeah. when I moved here, it, it was knocked down to maybe I was doing it once a month. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So now like I can be more like, you know, choosy with what I do, but at the same time, like I kind of miss being a regular multi times a week performer. So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to get back into that more. Um, but it's hard, you know, in a a city like this, like I, I'm not a pushy person. I always like to be asked because I feel like that was a respectful thing in Boston, but here it's like a whole different scenario. Like you have to be like constantly on top of the people that are booking the shows to like have your name in there. Whereas in Boston, when I was booking a show, I reached out to all the girls. So So you have to be your own PR person in LA. And I'm, and I'm so bad at that. I think it's like a overload of modesty. Yeah. Well, Uh, you gotta, you gotta hype yourself up. Be like, bitch, I'm the best. You better, (laughs) you better booked me. I I feel like my performance speaks for itself. And that's something that you don't get a lot of these days is like my performance speaks for itself. And it, you know, it's how I've always felt. Okay. So speaking of, if we go, like, if we all go to a Fina Barbital show, what are we going to see? What should we expect? I uh, talked about that a little bit, but. I mean, expect the unexpected when you come to see my <laughs> show. Expect uh-huh. the, absolutely expect the unexpected. Expect to be uh, pulled in. Expect for eye contact. Expect for, expect for someone that do, I don't take life too seriously, but I do take what I do seriously. And there's, you know, equal parts, um, emotion and, and, uh, comedy and, you know, all that kind of wrapped up into one. Beautiful. I like that. I, I always say that like I, in business, I like to work with people who take their businesses seriously, but they don't take themselves too seriously. So it's kind of a similar vibe mantra, so to speak. Okay. So performing tips, you're saying that you're starting to do more of that. And like in an ideal world, how many times a week would you perform? Well, the main goal, the goal right now is to be able to build a, a fandom, to be able to launch something on the road. So I would love to go on a tour. I'd uh-huh. love to take whatever I do on the road. And that could be like, you know, as many nights as a week as it, as it takes. I'm a workhorse. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. It's just at the moment, it's working its way there. But gotcha. um, that that's the goal. And when you say like, when that's the goal, is it your goal to like go to your own venues or to go tour um, like other bars, clubs and drag shows and other local cities? I mean, all of it. I would like the, at the absolute, like the next big, big goal besides like, I think going and doing the, the, the bars and gay clubs and things like that is like so special because you get to meet all these people mm-hmm. and that's where you really get to build a connection with people and like bar owners and promoters and all that. Um, the next level up is to do a production style stage show tour, which I have a few like rough ideas for. Nice. Um, so these are all things that I kind of, I, I never, I discovered this about myself while touring with Trixie a few years back that like, I never thought that I could do something like that, but then like seeing it happen in front of me, I was like, Oh, this is absolutely possible. And like, I already, the ideas were already there. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so those are definitely in the, in this, in the sphere. In the, in okay, the world. cool. And planning mode. I like that. All right, we're gonna. Well, I think we'll probably come back to that in a minute. But I want to talk about. I want to talk about wig styling 
from someone that is going to be asking you questions who knows absolutely nothing about wigs or hairstyling in general. So this could be interesting. But I'm curious, um, are you doing wig styling primarily for other drag professionals? Are you doing it like for trans women, cis women, anyone who wants to wear a wig? Like, who's your primary like clientele for wig styling? My primary clientele is local girls here in LA. Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to doing something for someone that lives anywhere else and shipping and all that stuff. But uh, in Boston, we didn't have a wig stylist. We didn't have like costumers, really. Everybody kind of had a little thing that they did. We all kind of relied on ourselves to, to do that. So here, I like to be, you know, the girl that the local girls can come to for, you know, a simple style, a big style, anything. Yeah. So primarily it's it's those girls. And I have actually been lucky enough to work with some really big names and people on Drag Race. And, you know, this past Super Bowl, I got to do a wall of wigs for a Super Bowl party where I styled a hundred wigs on a wall. <laughs> it was it was, I threw my shoulder out like I was out of I hope that paid well. So did you did you have to go like buy a shit ton of wigs or you I'm assuming you don't oh, yeah. just have that many like around? Oh yeah, it paid well. It it, it, it paid well. Maybe it could have paid more. I don't know. I need a yeah. manager. I need a manager. All right. Well, we'll put that on your to-do list. Yeah. Manager. So I'm curious when you have local local folks hiring you to do wigs. What level are they typically at in their career? What I'm curious about, I guess what I'm really curious about is that service that you provide, is it affordable for like brand new people entering the scene? Is it mostly like established folks who are fully booked? Um, how much money are people wanting to spend on their drag, I guess, is part of the question. That was like well, 18 questions at once, but you know, feel free to go in whatever direction you want. Well, I think it's for everyone. Like I've had all walks of, you know, queens that have been doing it for... 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to queens that have been, this is their first time. And this is like a special thing. And they, it's like a treat for themselves. I have other girls that like are constantly doing things that need newer stuff. Yeah. And I, I feel like I charge on, I was charging on like a sliding scale of like difficulty doing an hourly rate. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there are people that gave me work when I first moved here when I first started styling hair that have been loyal to me ever since. And have like, you know, noticed that, Oh, this girl needs like, you know, some money here. Can you like do this? And like, I'll, I'll pay you for it. Those people now that I've become like, you know, bigger, I will always be loyal to them. Nice. Like, like I'll say Marta Bichu and Meatball are incredibly like long time loyal people that I love styling for. I love that. I went, so you'll have to tell me ball the next time you see her. I went to uh, Alaska's drag pageant. I don't remember the very comedically long name they gave it. I was there. Uh, her performance was hilarious. It was awesome. Oh yeah. I yeah. did all her wigs. I did all her wigs for that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately I, I left like partway through that, but that was because I was there for DragCon and I did not get a hotel that night. So I had to drive back to San Diego. It's like two, two and a half hours. Uh, so I went for a good portion of it, but I watched everyone's talents and left after that. But it was really, it was really fun. All right. So let's say, okay, hypothetical. So I come to you and I'm like, hey, I need a wig. Can you help me? What's that process look like? Well, usually I say a lot of uncomfortable things about my personal life right off the bat. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, just to try and scare you off. 
Sure. And then, and you're trying to repel the business. You do need a businessman. Sure. I think. <laughs> and then usually I say, you know, what's your stance on whether or not Bush did 9-11? And then. Sure. Um, okay. Conspiracy and then, uh, is great. Ex- exactly. You know, what do you, what do you think happened there? You know, steel beams, gasoline, I don't know. And then I go with like references, pictures. What is it that you want? Is it something you've seen me do already that uh-huh. you want like your own version of? And um, and then we discuss pricing. And then if they have a, a deadline, then I can do it by deadline. I've been kind of become known for having a pretty quick turnover rate. Yeah. Do you ever charge a rush fee? I have when it was like I had to pay extra for like shipping or something. Like Got it. Another small, like, here's the thing. I do so many projects and so many things where it's hard to decide, like, okay, yes, I want to do the tour. I want to be in drag and I want to do that. But I do rigs so often. Should I be, like, buying wholesale rigs? Maybe, if it's cheaper. Um, it, it's strange. Like, I haven't gone down that route yet. But so I do have to order the rigs online and, you know, that that can cost or... and, and Everything's gone up. All the prices have gone up. Yeah. Uh, well, for like for everything. Like oh, yeah. So to give like a real firm example, let's talk about like one of those wigs behind you. Maybe yeah. the blonde one. How much would that cost me if I said, hey, I, I want one of those wigs? So like the blonde one? Uh-huh. I mean, that's just some like shitty thing I did for myself. <laughs> like if you wanted like, like this is something that's uh, for Meatball. And she she gave me the hair to stop. Uh-huh. Okay, so she gets so she didn't have to pay for the hair, right? So this style, it's not finished fully yet, but usually it's about for a single wig, it's between like 180, 150, depending. Sometimes it's less if I don't have to clean it. Like sometimes the girls will bring me like a used wig that I have to like brush and clean and wash and do all the stuff that costs extra. But if it's a fresh, brand new wig. Usually around 150 to style it if it's a double stack 250. And how much time does that take you? It can take a long time. It can take like a full day because oh my god. Okay. If you're if you're cleaning a wig and you're like steaming it and getting all the knots out and cleaning the lace, and then you're uh doing a roller set, steaming that, and then that has to physically dry before you can unroller it. So for that like you know, plastic hair to dry can take a whole day. Yeah. And then, and then taking it out, then teasing it, brushing it and styling it and smoothing it and all that stuff. And you said, I watched um, your YouTube videos that are out so far. We'll link those in the description for everyone. Uh, you mentioned, I think in the first one, like a good lace front should start around $50 and that people shouldn't pay less than that. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I get that queens are on a budget, especially now everything like prices going up. But like a lace front wig, if you want it to last, like it wouldn't pay less than like 50 or $60. Yeah. I mean, and even when since I- making those videos, they've gone up since then. Oh, a lot. So when I, again, not a wig expert, but when I think of like nice hair, like big hair, of course, there's a lot of like queens that come into my mind. But like the first person that pops into my mind is Alyssa Edwards. Like, do you think she's spending a lot more than $50 on her lace front wigs? Well, she's also not buying just a, a lace front wig out of the bag. She's it's styled for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, those wigs are very expensive. Like custom styled. 
question. I don't know. The, here's the thing. I still haven't, I still don't know who the audience of this podcast is going to be. It's mostly going to be other Queens. I'm imagining. So we're talking about the business. So they're going to chuckle at this question. Explain to me what the difference between a lace front and a hard front wig is. I have one. Okay. Beautiful. You have a hard front okay. wig. Yes. So. Cause all my only context is, you know, people making like shady jokes that I hear, you know, on TV well, the, hard, the, hard, the hard the hard fronts are making a comeback the key oh, to a, the key to a hard front is bangs okay to cover up the hairline i guess yeah so this is a hard front wig from wigs by vanity okay it's really great quality as you can see there's no lace there okay no lace. but the bang covers it and the side pieces and the layers on the side cover it so why are they making a comeback? Are they like easier to like COVID. put on or what? COVID. COVID? Uh-huh. The lace front factories in China were shut down for such a long period of time. And it was hard to get people back in from what I understand to like, you know, learn how to make them and yada, yada, yada. So it was easier to have a hard front made by machine. Whereas okay. some lace fronts are like hand tied or whatever. And I've heard in, in some YouTube video in some point in time, like someone said, oh, you know, like at, back in the day, only RuPaul had lace front wigs and now everyone has them. Is it just because like there, there were not big factories making them at a certain point in time and they were like custom? Like, is that why they were a lot more expensive? Absolutely. I mean, they hadn't been really factory made until oh, I don't even remember the year but I remember my first like lace front wig and I was like one of the first queens in Boston to have like a lace front wig that she wore for a show nice and it felt oh god it felt so rich <laughs> so yeah because I I always wonder I'm like I'm assuming that more people have them because they've gotten cheaper but also it could be because people are now just willing to spend so much more money on their drag I wasn't sure yeah it's both it's both it's both Okay. Um, do you think that Drag Race has kind of like made people think that they need to spend a lot more money because they're seeing like extravagant, like custom looks and wigs and everything on television all the time? I think for some people, yes. Because for some people, that's part of their drag. Yeah. They enjoy that. They enjoy working really hard, putting this look together, um, you know, having someone custom make them a, an outfit and like hair and all that. And they, they love that aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's the people that usually end up being beloved by the fans on Drag Race are sometimes the people that come with handmade things yeah. that they either, you know, beg, borrow, or stole. That's like Mo, Mo Hart, one of my favorites, was, uh, you know, like making half of her looks during her first season. I think they talked about that. Yes. Love her. Okay. I have another silly question for you. I, when I watched your video, so in your first YouTube video, you were, um, cutting a bob, you cut off a shit ton of hair. Do all those hair scraps just go in the trash? Do they get repurposed for something? Oh, that's a really uh, silly question, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you make, make like clip in hair pieces with them. I will say there have been times where that excess hair uh -huh. gets, okay, this is, this can get creative. So I would take that hair and I'll put it in a hairnet. And I can like tease it up and make it into like a hair bun that you place somewhere and you can fold hair over it and like use to style with. Yeah. Doesn't Katya use like a lot of those like little hair pieces or she did at one point in time? I've put a lot of different hair buns in her wigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I just I feel like I visually remember her like picking pieces of her like of her hair out on oh, like, oh, know, like, hair ties yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So with regard to like the hair, I was specifically thinking like if you ever buy human hair wigs, does it ever like pain you to cut a significant amount of the hair off, or does that even happen? Um so because they're so expensive. They're like really expensive, aren't they? They are. They are more expensive. Absolutely. Especially if you want a really good quality one or, you know, I think it's good to, if you get one that's like more of a discounted one, like Amazon, uh-huh. usually the ends need trimming or something needs trimming. Um, but if it's something that like a client wants, you know, then you got to give the people what they want. Yeah. Let's talk about YouTube. Okay. So I am going to, going to quote yourself to you and ask you a question about it, okay? And you kind of alluded to this earlier. You said on Sloppy Seconds, quote, I didn't want to wait any longer to get on a TV show to financially sustain myself. And that was said in the context of you starting the YouTube show. So hopefully I didn't get that out of context, but I'm curious like what your goal for the YouTube show is. And if you want to elaborate more on that quote. I've auditioned for Drag Race 10, 11 times. Mm -hmm. And that was always for like, I feel like the years just went by so quickly, but that was always the goal. It was the stepping stone to get me to the next place that I really wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Taking my drag everywhere and being able to be a performing artist that lived strictly off of that and you know in order to 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 like have a a great stage show you need things that do cost a lot of money so of course making more money and like doing like that to put it all back into the work anyways that hadn't happened yet for drag race so i was like you know what i'm i'm aging like in a in a way (laughs) i'm not old but like for drag everyone is so young now and i just i i couldn't wait any longer for them to be to like you know, pick me up. So I, you know, I kind of had to get the ball rolling. And so I, I figured with YouTube, this would be a great way to put me on people's screens, to get me in their face and to make myself into something that was, I don't know what the right word for it even is. I just wanted to like, you know, kickstart my career and get it, get the ball rolling. Yeah. Like get your name out there, brand yourself on the internet. Yeah. And also this is like, you know, there are a few thousand people that follow me on Instagram. And these are people that like, I've either met at DragCon, met at shows, talked to online. And I've talked to them over the like past couple of years about like stuff that they would love to see from me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is all for, for these people. I also make this show for my mom to watch me every because she lives <laughs> on the other side of the country and misses me. I was, I was actually going to ask, so if you go, I think mostly in your episode uh, on Sloppy Seconds, but also probably on your YouTube episodes, there were multiple people, like I would say over a dozen people who commented on how soothing your voice was. I don't know if you saw any of those comments. Yeah. But I was like, have you considered podcasting? <laughs> have you considered podcasting more? I, here's the thing. How do I do that? Who wants to do that? Anybody want to, like, how do you do it? Is it just like YouTube where you just do it yourself? And then- oh, it's podcasting's way. Actually, podcasting's a lot easier because you don't have to edit. You don't really, on my other podcast, I don't edit anything. I just do a one take and it gets up. I have a VA that uploads it. 
with YouTube, you got to, you know, like edit the videos and I don't know, I think podcasting is actually easier, I, but I have to say, I love the process of doing the YouTube. My friend, yeah. Steve, my friend, Steven Zakari, who uh, is a stand-up comic, he does the editing and he's so, oh, he's so freaking funny. He gets <laughs> me so much. The little, like the, like look to the camera and everything uh-huh. like that, the video that came out yesterday. It's so good. He's so brilliant at what he does. Because he gets comedy because he's a comic. He's right. a funny person. But that's been, the, that's been the great part about doing YouTube is seeing it. But I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, uh, people love my voice. I think that I'm like screaming at people. But <laughs> no. when, I watch it, when I watch it back, I'm like. <laughs> no, I think, I think that we all do that. So personally, like I, I always feel like that I have, um, I feel like I have a very dynamic voice. And then I listen. Yep. And then, but then I listen to the recordings of myself and it's like so dead. There's like no modulation of my voice whatsoever. It's just like all flat tone. No, (laughs) it's a no for me. Which is interesting. I think that we all have like one perspective of our voice and then the reality is a different thing. For you though, I mean, what you're doing on your YouTube channel is so visual, but like you can't teach people how to style a wig on a podcast. So obviously, you know, it would have to be different content. I would love to do it. Yeah, it's I, my my friend uh, Gwen, who is going to be featured on a later episode. Me and her, uh, we, our dynamic on screen, I guess, came out so well. And she said to me, "She's a transgendered woman." She's like, "We should do a podcast called Trans Fats." <laughs> and Which is that- I, think, I think would be really funny. I don't know. People might think it was like it's too offensive or whatever. So I, I'm not here to offend people. Uh-huh. I'm just, you know what I mean, here to make people laugh. So, I mean, it sounds like it'd be fun. What would you talk about? I mean, we literally will sit on the phone and like talk to each other, talk shit about literally everything for an hour. So even that, so who knows? Maybe like, that's a really good idea. Thank you for like saying that. That's a really interesting yeah, float, thing I, I never thought about. Floated by your people, right? But my, my follow-up question is always like, okay, but like, what's your goal with that, right? Like, it's one thing, totally, if you're just like, oh, that sounds like a blast, I want to do it, um, like, do it, but you got a lot of shit going on. So it's like, if this thing needs to make me some money, like, what's the, you know, what's the goal for it, right? As I can tell you, like, with with Mom Podcast and with, like, the WOW Podcast Network, they all, like, that's a production company, right? It's like, I'm, I'm assuming that they get paid for their episodes, my podcast doesn't make any money from that perspective. I'm using it as a marketing channel to get clients. So that's how it's monetized. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's getting your name out there, like showing people what you can do. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Any tips from you to me as one relatively new YouTuber to another? Oh, um... I'm asking you for coaching on my on my podcast show you gotta have you gotta have uh patience uh-huh um with yourself patience with yourself and uh give yourself some credit cool. and you have to have a good time whatever you're putting out you have to enjoy it you have to make yeah. sure that it's very you represents you and i mean youtube is a scary strange thing to someone like me who like you know i i have learning disabilities and i have you know years of of uh 
not doing anything that required a calculator or staring at a computer. So sure. it takes time to really, to really get it. But, you know, having the right people around you too really helps. Good, good. Well, I'm enjoying it thus far. I was curious when I started, I was like, is anyone, these are the conversations I really want to have, right? Because I love drag. I love, you know, watching it. Well, I, I really am a huge consumer of YouTube, which is why I'm now doing this YouTube video. I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, but I'm like, no one really talks about the business side of drag. I don't, and I frankly don't know if anyone wants to talk about it or listen to it, but we are about to find out. I'm very interested in it because it's something that for an old queen like myself, I still like, you know, is the IRS listening? I still keep, <laughs> I, I still keep cash in a box under my bed. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that you do work with Trixie and Katya specifically for queens who like to watch and also on their YouTube show Un, right? Which we all have a hard time pronouncing. Um, do, do you tour with them as well? Or are you doing everything that they film like locally in LA? Uh, currently just everything they film locally in LA. I was touring with them, but in order to get like my YouTube launched, like yeah. I, I, you know, touring's a lot. And this, this year they're on tour like 11 months out of the year. And it's just, it's a, it's a lot. And I, I just couldn't. Yeah. Cause I know that they were doing their tour together. And then they took a break, but like Trixie took a break to do her own tour and passed her back. She took a five second break <laughs> while she got on a plane to go to her huh? next tour. Yeah. And now they're touring again together while Trixie like had an album launch and also a while they have their TV show. So you were actually on an episode of I Like to Watch. How much fun did you have watching Twilight for Netflix? <laughs> Let me tell you. Had you seen it before? Not that, not that one. I had seen the first one in the theater when it came out. And it, I thought they were just uh, actually rotten. <laughs> but uh, the team and the people working on I Like to Watch, there's this woman, Jennifer, who like is a producer there. And she's so incredible. She has my back the whole time because, you know, during the pandemic, um, when we were filming at home, I was the one behind the camera, setting up the camera, the lights, the sound, everything. <laughs> and she was helping me do this over Zoom with other people that have gone to school for this for years. So yeah. they're like, you know, so I've worked with her like closely and we'd be we, like, she's such so great at her job. So that aspect was incredible. I felt very supported. And then to sit across from the human cigarette, um, <laughs> Someone that I've known for like, you know, over, oh, oh God, almost two decades. Um, God, it was so much fun. It was a dream come true. It was honestly a dream come true. So I'm assuming when they review series, they're not like, or seasons, they're not re watching the entire season. And I'm assuming they're getting clips, right? Oh, we're watching. We the are whole watching. season? We're watching, we're watching a huge portion of that. Okay. Because I was going to ask, when you did Twilight, did you, because you did two movies did you watch the full like both movies because if so i'd imagine that's like probably like an eight hour filming day or something oh we get there and film all day yes ma'am i'm sitting when i'm not like you know in front of the camera i'm behind the camera with a monitor watching and listening and watching the whole thing along with them and by the end it, it like when i filmed it it felt like it went by like that uh-huh and i said at the end i was like that's it i could do 10 more of these 
<laughs> but when like you know when you're actually like you know watching from from the back it is it is such a, a large portion even though like even though when i feel like when you're behind the camera it's probably so much more comfortable than like sitting in camera like on a sofa like in full drag it's funny because like you are so catered to on that set netflix uh-huh. is like they ooh, anything you want but the hardest part of the whole thing is being in drag tucked in pads in a corset and whatever in a costume and wig sitting upright on a couch <laughs> uh, i'm a big girl too so like you know my body just naturally like <laughs> you need some like back support pillows yeah <laughs> so that it's funny because that that is like you know everything else is like cake but that's probably the yeah. hardest part so I'm assuming they did that was Trixie was like probably touring or something when Katya, because I know she did a handful of she had Jujube on one episode, you on one episode and Jinx on one episode. Did they just ask Katya, like, who do you want to co-host this with? And like Fina was at the top of her list, naturally. Yes. And Jennifer, Fina, like, uh, sorry. Katya and, and Jennifer, they were both like, you know, absolutely put, put Fina on there. And, and I know you're friends with Jujubee. Jujubee also has a special place in my heart because she is the only drag queen that follows my personal Instagram account. <laughs> she does not know who I am. Um, Incredible. But I, I think I, ta- I tagged her during All Stars 5. I tagged her in an Instagram story and I was like, my sole goal in life is to become best friends with Jujubee. And she, fo- she followed me back. <laughs> wow. I was like, love her. She's very down to earth. Yes. Yeah. She seems super chill and super fun. And now I love the running joke on Twitter is everyone saying that she's like cast in every single season of Drag Race. Like I saw a TikTok that was like, they've announced the, um, the cast of the next all-star season and it was Jujubee versus the world. Or her on the, like on the, um, the thing for, for, uh, where they were replacing Boris Johnson. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like all the, all the candidates in the and cabinet, people. like their yeah. version of the, whatever the cabinet is. Yeah. <laughs> love her i'm like well of course she always gets asked she makes she makes great tv and she's like so chill yeah. this is a kind of the final segment of the podcast i've been trying out um it's almost like flipping the script a little bit so when it comes to the back end of your business we're talking about like legal stuff finances taxes what kind of questions do you have that i might be able to answer for you okay <clears throat> so if my goal is to, let's say, I want to purchase a small two or three bedroom house. Yes. In not the immediate area, but in, in the region of Los Angeles. Uh-huh. What do I need to do financially with my money to make that possible in the next decade? Sure. So first of all, you have to save for a mortgage, right? So you got to have money in the bank. So most of us know that you have to have really good credit. Um, Do you check your credit score? I do. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you're on top of that, regardless of what the number is, you're checking it. So you know where you stand and what you need to do to get it to where it needs to be. Maybe you're already there. That's fantastic. But then from the tax perspective, typically they're going to ask for at least two years worth of tax returns. And so are you filing... Do you file your own taxes or do you have an accountant? So this past year, I actually um, had a guide do my taxes. Dawn, do you know Dawn? Heard of Debbie Dawn? I have heard of this person. Yes, a few people yeah. have mentioned them. Yeah. So this is the first time I've had a person do my taxes in like 
be a long time. Okay. How was that process? I think it was great. I'm like a total airhead when it comes to doing anything tax related. Like I'll, yeah. I've done them online myself and like sent them off and being like, I'm, you know, but I'm in an interesting uh, crossover where it's like, I don't make enough money to mm-hmm. be able to afford a big fancy, you know, tax person. But I also make enough money and from enough like 1099s and W2s that I need somebody to do it for me. Yeah. So it's done correctly because I want to make sure it's all, you know. Yeah. So the main thing you need to be on top of is like definitely get your bookkeeping dialed in. Do you do your own bookkeeping or does your accountant do that? I don't even know. What, what are you talking about bookkeeping? So just tracking your income and your expenses, like all your business deductions. So this year I got a uh, credit card uh-huh. and I put everything, every time I buy a wig or hairspray or anything for related to drag, I put it all on this credit card. Nice. So what I recommend is, so I have a spreadsheet template. We'll link it like in the description for everyone else, but I can send it to you. And just once a month, you go through and you categorize everything, right? So sometimes like if you have an accountant, they'll do that for you during tax season. Um, We charge for that because it's like separate from the tax return. We kind of expect people to bring everything summarized to us. Like, I don't want a pile of your bank statements. I want you to tell me this is how much I spent on wigs. This is how much I spent on makeup. This is how much I spent on traveling. So logging that every month takes like 15 minutes. That's doing your bookkeeping. Then you get your tax return done. When you do your tax return, all that income and expenses are going to go on a particular tax form called your Schedule C, which shows your business profit. And then that business profit is what your uh, mortgage lender will look at when they try to qualify you to buy a home. What happens is a lot of people do not take their finances that seriously and they kind of make up deductions and they don't report those tips that they have sitting around because they don't want to pay taxes on them, which, you know, understandable. But when you try to go get a house and you're like, okay, here's my tax return. It shows that I profited $30,000 because I didn't report my cash tips and I made up deductions. They're going to be like, okay, well, 30,000 is not going to be enough to approve you for this mortgage. So you kind of shot yourself in the foot by not reporting all of your income on your tax return. So that's what I see happen. Even on a lower level, when people are trying to get approved for like a car um, or even like in a, some large metro cities require you to show tax returns to get approval to even rent an apartment. Yes. And all of that is like, that's another goal with like, you know, maybe with YouTube and monetization, it's like, I'd love to be able to be in a in a bracket where I could afford someone to like, you know, handle all of it. Yeah. Um, that's that's of course a a goal, but yeah, I mean, doing drag like back in the day day, mm-hmm. I think this is really not good, but there was a and I'm talking like before drag race. There was a point where I don't think I did my taxes for like three years. Or you like didn't was, file them? Yeah. Okay. Young young stupid like you know <laughs> drunk like, well we're we're over the statute of limitations on that anyways <laughs> the irs can't come after you for those oh but i ended I, up filing them later like oh okay it, good you got caught oh, up. It all it all came back and like you know since then i've definitely like built my credit yeah. and you know i'm very responsible like with the credit card like my best advice for anybody is when you get these credit cards to help build your credit or help like put everything on one thing 
never spend more than you have. Like if I'm going to pay for something and I have the cash in my hand, mm-hmm. I will instead use that card and put and then pay it off immediately on the app. Smart. Immediately. Yeah, I have, I like to pay my credit card off like once a week. Um, yep. That's what I do is like every Friday. But what I did when I first, because I started out with terrible credit because I got a credit card when I was 18, when I went to college and I put all, I put like a thousand dollars worth of textbooks on my credit card. I didn't have a job, so I don't know, like, but I didn't have any money. I was like, I have to have these, these uh, books and I just never paid it off. So I started like actual adulthood with shitty, shitty credit. And I had to get a secured credit card. And what I did was I think I put my Disney plus bill on my credit card. It was like a nine, some $9 subscription. And that's all I paid for on my credit card. And I kept it in my desk drawer over here. So I couldn't even spend money on it when I was out and about. So I had a $9 charge on it. And then I had the credit card on auto pay. (laughs) I was like, I should, I should have $10 in the bank every month to pay my $10 subscription on my credit card without overdrafting my account. But I did that like for six months to a year until I could get like a little bit nicer of a credit card. And then I put like my gym membership on it and a couple other things. And now I'm like able to exercise just enough self-control to like use it. Like for me, it was a, it was a car payment. Similarly, it was like a car payment once a month. And I, I didn't have a, this is my first credit card that I've had in like maybe 15 years. Um, But like, yeah, the, definitely the laying low for a while, like for many years, like, you know, I didn't have anything lavish or expensive or crazy, like, you know, just paid my little thing every month and slowly it built up. I have another question. Yeah, go ahead. Tax related. Um, is Botox and filler deductible? <laughs> Talk about these deductions. Talk about these deductions here. Yeah, it's not. So it's funny that you asked that because I actually have that on my website. Um, and I had Rockham Sakura. I paid Rockham for a cameo um, to make for the outro for this podcast. So if people watch it on YouTube, they'll actually see it. And the tagline is taxes are stressful, stress causes wrinkles, and filler is not deductible. So hire us to help. When how can we get that like on the on the ballot to have? I know uh, we could we could fight for it. We could fight for it. Um, no, generally the rule is like anything that could also be considered like a personal benefit or personal use cannot be deducted. So in drag, like a, a big kind of question mark area is clothing and costuming. Right? Do drag? I, I feel like some drag queens don't like the word costumes because it implies that you're costuming. Maybe that's just a drag race thing. I don't know. What do you do? You call it drag clothing, drag costumes, or does it matter? What people are mad calling things a costume? That is so stupid. Well, I've just I've heard that I've heard people use like or people interpret the phrase costume being costumey as like who Guess was what? that? Guess what? Well, if, if you're on a show, if you're on a stage, you're doing a show. Whatever you're wearing is your costume. Maybe I'm complaining costumey with crafty. I know someone just got upset about being called crafty too. But anyhow, the question for that is technically the rule is, is it appropriate for everyday use? And it's kind of like, what the fuck does that mean? But some of the examples are like, well, a firefighter uniform, they're like, that's clearly, that's work. It's not, it's not something you would ever use personally. I'm like, okay, well you still like could technically scrubs are the same example. I'm like, you could do yoga and scrubs, but they consider it not appropriate for everyday use. So I think if you have something that's very elaborate and is drag, like it's very clearly a deduction where it gets kind of gray 
and this is something I've had a hard time explaining, but I'm starting to get better vocabulary around it, is if you are more feminine, let's say you're more feminine presenting and you wear drag that's more um, just kind of like everyday wear from what you would expect from a woman, and then you're going to wear those similar types of clothes when you're not in drag, now it's hard to say like what's drag and what's personal. But if you have like, I think Trixie's a great example, right? Because she jokes herself all the time that she, you know, she looks like a crew member on Drag Race when she's out of yeah. drag. And then she has these, you know, like vintage and like 70s inspired clothes in drag. Very, very different, very clearly like a tax deductible kind of a thing. So yet again, the uh, IRS is coming for trans women and men. Yeah. So this is, so not really, like not really, but it's something that I can imagine being an issue if someone got audited. Right. So what I'm telling, I was like, first of all, first of all, you could play into the binary of everything. If you really wanted to defend, use that as a defense to your tax deductions, but we don't really want to do that. So instead it's like, what you should do is you should have, these are my drag things that I pay with my business credit card or with my business debit card. And these are my out of drag things that I pay for with my personal card. And I'm like, they're maintained separately and they have separate purposes and all that kind of stuff. That was the main goal for me getting this card was to like have, because when I went to uh, have my taxes done, I was caught off guard by some of the questions of like, you know, how much did you spend this year on your drag? And I'm like, like, I don't know. A lot. I, I spent enough to know that all the money that I had at the beginning of the year, I don't have anymore. So. Yeah. This is why, so this is kind of a final tip for everyone. Um, this is why it's so important to have everything separate, right? Because I had a client, like a drag client, we're talking like hundreds of transactions on Amazon. And I'm like, how much drag are we buying on, on Amazon? A lot, apparently. But we're going through item, I buy item. Is this personal? Is this business? Is this personal or is this business? So instead, just have two Amazon accounts buy all of your drag from your drag account, buy all your personal stuff from your personal account. And then when it comes to tax season, you just give those statements to your accountant or you hopefully have your bookkeeping. It's all separate and you don't have to question anything. Well, that's why every drag item that I purchased on Amazon, I use the credit card. Yes. And all my personal items are with my debit. Yeah, I like that. Okay, Fina, um, as we wrap up, um, tell everyone where they should go to subscribe to your YouTube channel and how they can find you and follow you and maybe give you money. Uh, so you can go to my YouTube channel. It's Fina Barbatol. Uh, subscribe, watch the videos. I think you'll like them. They're not too long. They're actually pretty quick. Compare, right? Compared to this interview in particular. Yeah. Oh, I could talk to you for hours. You actually have a great <laughs> voice for podcasting. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you can go to my Instagram and I have a link tree that has all the links in it for everything and little clips of my videos. There's also my Venmo, my PayPal, my da 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 I'm starting out a TikTok where I'm, I'm learning how to dance or whatever. <laughs> uh, not at all. Not at all. Not doing the dancing. Um, I have a Twitter account. What else? I have a Facebook account that I don't have anything on because I absolutely, you know, I, I don't support. I deleted my Facebook account when everything yeah. was super crazy. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. Other than that, you can find me at Precinct once a month. You got mail. And, Beautiful. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we will put the links for all your social accounts, your website, everything in the description of the video and the podcast show notes if people are listening. Um, Fina, thank you so much for coming on the show and being such a great guest. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful.
Hi everyone, it's me, Rock and Soccer from the cast of season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you need help doing your taxes? Of course you do. You're stupid, but you're pretty. You might be a drag queen and you can do dips and splits and all of that other stuff. You can grab a dollar, two dollars, but are you paying Uncle Sam? If you don't know how, you need help. And that's why you need Business of Drag. That's right, you need business of drag. Taxes are a drag, tune in for help from a pro. All right, all you drag performers out there, taxes are stressful. We all know tax season. Taxes are stressful, stress causes wrinkles, and filler is not deductible. Hire us for help. You need it. You really, really do. Hey everyone, I help. Oh, there goes my titty. That is not deductible. Mm, okay. Hey everybody, it's me, Rockham Soccer from the cast season. Oh, sorry. Hey everybody, it's me, Rockham Soccer from the cast season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I'm here to tell you that if you're stupid and pretty just like me, you might need help on your taxes, because taxes are a drag, but you need to tune in for help. Oh, motherfucker. I, God damn it, I got this wrong. Okay, one more time. Sorry. Hi everyone, it's me, Rockham Soccer from the cast season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race. You guys, if you're like me, you're beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, stunning. People run down the street just to get a look at you. But you're also insanely stupid and not good at doing things like math or handling your money. That's why Business of Drag is here. Taxes are a drag. Tune in for help from a pro. Might I add, taxes are stressful. Stress causes wrinkles and filler is not deductible. No, no deductee. Hire us for help. You need it. Business of drag! Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Or Uncle Sam will do, do a split on your throat, metaphorically speaking. Do your taxes.